Well, let's do a quick review just, just to kind of get the ball rolling, and then we'll start hitting questions, I'm sure. And we have the microphone. And as I promised you, we do a Q&A time this morning. But we've been teaching on fasting. And one of the things we showed you from the Word, there's only one biblically commanded fast. That was under the Old Covenant for the Day of Atonement. And he said, you'll afflict your soul till the evening. And afflict your soul is just kind of code for fast. Uh, another code word in the Old Testament for fast is uh, sanctify a solemn assembly. Uh, and the Hebrew literally says a day of restraint. That's a day where you restrain yourselves from appetites. That's a fast. So we have a lot of biblical examples of fasts being called. And we have biblical examples of people declaring a fast for themselves. And uh, so we know that it is biblical to fast. There have been arguments in times past, only really in America. Only in America would someone try to find an excuse not to do something biblical when it involved eating. And I have even heard it taught that perhaps fasting isn't New Testament. And I think we have royally disproved that with about 15 scriptures out of the New Testament. Even Jesus Christ himself said, when you fast, not if you do. And even Jesus said, as long as a bridegroom is with them, they can eat. But when he is taken away from them in that day, they will begin to fast. We live in that day. The bridegroom has been taken from us till he returns in the clouds. So we know it is a day to fast. One of the things we've said about fasting is that uh, probably one of the things we're more familiar with it to do is to help keep our flesh under, to help keep our appetites in control, to help keep us from lusting and desiring and craving. And so really, we fast things to get the victory over it. We fast things just to say, I have ownership over you thing and you don't have ownership over me. Whether it's, it's Coca-Colas, whether it's coffee, whether it's sweets, whether it's uh, entertainment, whether it's the news, whether it's ESPN. As my pastor, Dr. Barkley, says, you ought to fast your attractions from time to time so they don't become distractions. And again, there's nothing really uh, evil with anything we like to do, uh, but sometimes those things we enjoy doing, they get a hold of us. Uh, and I'm one to sit down. To, I, I, I like kind of detective TV shows. And we don't have television, so I might upload a couple of TV shows on my iPod. I'm one to sit down, and if I watch one, I'll watch five. That's a little bit excessive, and I have to say, whoa, whoa, I think two's enough. There's no commercials in there. That's an hour and a half of my time. Let's go do something else now. Even one of the things Dr. Summerall said one time, he said, <laughs> he, now I, I know for a fact Dr. Summerall liked John Wayne movies. And he would even sit down and watch one from time to time. But one of the things he was fond of saying is that entertainment is worthless. And you watch a football game and it's worthless because when you get done, you have nothing to show for it. He said, you'd be better off going in the garage and making something because then after two hours, you have something to show for it. And he said, I hate doing something that has no residual effect, that has no substance left over. So uh, nothing wrong with a football game, nothing wrong with a TV show, nothing wrong with, you know, chocolate cake. But, you know, some of you ladies, if you eat one slice, you're bound to eat half the cake. And uh, that's just how it is sometimes. And the Bible does say, uh, sanctify or, or call a day of restraint. It's good to restrain your flesh. Whatever you feed will rule in your life. If you feed your spirit man, the word of God, your spirit man will rule and reign. If you feed your flesh your flesh will rule and reign. And I think we've all been subject to our flesh ruling and reigning in us. We, we'd, uh, it seems like the more you watch TV, the more you want to go watch TV. It seems like even in my life, or you maybe can testify in your life, you'll go through bouts where you just watch a lot of TV. And then you come to yourself and say, I need to dry this thing up. 
Or you come to bouts where and maybe you do spend a lot of season in your yard. Hey, you know, I got other things I ought to do. Fasting helps keep you balanced. Fasting helps keep your flesh under. And so that's probably the most familiar reason we know to fast is to keep your flesh from ruling and dominating you. You kind of starve it back. You know, when your flesh is weak, it doesn't, it can't do as much. You have to starve your flesh. It, it can't put up a fight. Uh, they even, they said um, in, in prisoner of war camps, all those men were being starved to death. There was no talk of sex ever because they didn't care. You're talking 19 and 22 year old men in the 40s and they're not thinking about sex and they've been in the military for two years and they're not thinking about, it's because they're being starved to death. There's bigger list priorities on their list than sex. And so maybe if you have a lust issue, you should fast because you'll be thinking more about feeding your stomach than you will your, your lustful appetites and you can get the victory over it. Another one of the reasons we said you can fast is so that when you have emotional problems and you're discouraged and you're depressed, if you remember that, we looked and it said that uh, fasting helps to break uh, the, that time of mourning. And the fasting helps you to get you over emotional hurt. Uh, Isaiah 58 says that fasting will break the bonds of emotional hurt and those that have been oppressed and done injustice. We see in the Bible that lots of times people would fast when someone died and they would mourn for that season. And once they were done fasting and mourning, that was it. They were done. They moved on. Here in America, not so much. Uh, you could, it's easy. I know someone personally, they've been mourning for their dead husband uh, since the 60s. That's messed up. Messed up. And when you talk to them, it's as though their husband just died yesterday. And it's, uh, this, this woman, she could have been remarried 35 years ago and had a wonderful life. Instead, her life still circles around her dead husband from the 60s. If she'd have fasted, sought God, she could have gotten over it, remarried within two or three, four years, and had a whole other set of life. But her life is still frozen back in 65. That's pretty goofy. Fasting will help you get the victory of it. If you're one to easily get offended, if you want to easily get your feelings hurt, you can fast. If you, every one of us is going to be done wrong and every one of us is going to face injustice. And if you happen to be one that easily gets offended or wants to quit over injustice, maybe you should go and fast and it'll help get you the victory over it. And you realize, hey, you know what? This is just injustice like it was a year ago and I got the victory over it a year ago. I'll get the victory over this too. So fasting accomplishes many things. Uh, the Bible says it can help bring your healing forth. And so if you need healing, it might be worth fasting. Well, I mean, really, when's the last time you fasted to get healing? Well, we don't hear that much in America. We're too busy. Oh, my leg hurts, my leg hurts. Ooh, but so does my stomach. I think I'll feed my stomach. And you'll satisfy the spontaneous and keep robbing what you really need. Really, fasting has been lost in America because we are Americans and we have so much abundance and so much ease and we are like the man in the parable. We want to say, soul, take thine ease. And if you haven't learned by now, this stuff's hard work. In fact, even James says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, effectual and fervent, effectual and fervent. As I was praying this morning, I get up every morning and pray for an hour. I got up this morning and about 30 minutes into it, I said, Lord, this just ain't even heartfelt prayer. I'm just in here just going through the motions. Lord, help me. Because we can get religious even in seeking God. And fasting, fasting just won't let you do that because you're aware something is not as it needs to be. I'm hungry. 
I'm craving another cup of coffee. I want a jelly donut. I want a Coca-Cola. And somehow fasting motivates your prayer and makes it even more effectual and more fervent because you're having to fight half a dozen things while you're in prayer. Appetites, lust, want to watch some television. I wonder what, what the basketball score is. Well, just wait another hour. You'll be done praying. Then you can check it. See, this fasting thing is hard on our flesh, but if you hadn't realized, your flesh is one of your greatest enemies because it has its own set of whims, wills, desires. It has its own voice. We claim we want to hear the voice of God, but the voice of the flesh is the thing that's always screaming at us. I, I think one of the things fasting does is it helps break your heart of idols because you end up depriving yourself of that idol. I told you last week about in college running and working out a lot and my flesh would say, we don't want to run. We don't want to run. Shut up. We're going to run an extra mile or two or three or four and we go run more. It's raining. So we're running in the rain anyway, just because you said you don't want to run in the rain. And then there'd be times where I wouldn't run or I, I, I wasn't running and my flesh would say, you're going to get fat. You're going to get fat. Oh my gosh, you're going to get fat. And you know, you, you know how your flesh is. You start to believe something crazy like that, like not running for a day is going to make me fat. And I said, just for that, we're not running today because I will not be controlled by you. Maybe for you ladies, I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there, just trying to help it, us nice everybody. Sometimes ladies get overly consumed with their looks. And you know how you are. I mean, it's all right. It's okay to want to look pretty. And you almost get obsessed over it. Well, I can't go into public without makeup on. Well, when your flesh starts screaming that, do it just to do it. In fact, we had some friends drop by yesterday and uh, the lady told my wife, she said, well, uh, Amanda, uh, I don't have any makeup on and you've never seen me without makeup. Plus, I've been doing yard work, so I'm going to look very hideous when I come over there. And my wife said, well, I'm not wearing makeup either and I just went for a run. So we'll be ugly together. <laughs> Sometimes you do it just so your flesh doesn't possess and consume you, so, so that these whims and desires don't own you. Because quite honestly, if you don't, for you ladies now, and I know that we, we want you to look pretty. Pastor Vaughn used to always say, if the barn needs painting, paint the barn. But don't get possessed of barn painting. <laughs> don't get consumed of barn painting. Because what happens if, you know, you you're just happen to be in the front yard and you don't have any makeup on and somebody walks, just walking the dog and the Lord says, go witness to them. <gasps> I don't have any makeup on. I guarantee you the Lord is not going to say, oh, my daughter, forgive me. I did not know that. Um, I will suspend their animation. Zap. <laughs> now run quickly, my daughter, and put on thy makeup and fix thy hair and darken thy eyes and, and look lovely. And uh, don't forget to shave your legs and your armpits and do your nails. <laughs> no, he will be silent on the fact and he will continue to throb your heart and say, go talk to them. Go, but Lord, and your heart's going to say, I don't have on any makeup. I, I, I might smell, I'm in the yard. He's not going to respond to you. He's more concerned with them getting saved than what you look like. Because he said he would beautify the meek with makeup, salvation. So maybe, maybe for you ladies, I just throw that out there because a couple of weeks ago I said go without hair product and I think Susan Gerd about fell out of her chair or something, <laughs> fasted. Or, maybe when you, whenever, whatever your flesh screams at you about, fast it. 
just to do it, just to say, flesh, you are my slave and I am not your slave. And that might be something worth doing. Whatever gets the hold of you, you get a hold of it first and say, I will win this. I will arm wrestle you. I will have the victory over this. You will not. If your flesh wants television, just kill cable. You can't live without the internet. Try going a month without the internet. Ten years ago, we didn't even really have it. Now we can't live without it. That's not true. We had it. I watched 9-11 on the internet. Fifteen years ago, we didn't have it. Now everything we do is through the internet. Go without it. Just to do it. And then you'll come through that and you'll almost, because see now I'm, I'm three weeks without news on my cell phone and uh, I don't want it. I like being free from it. Honestly, I'm getting to where I don't like the news at all. And it's just amazing to me how subtle and how quickly things can creep in and consume you and you think, I can't live without it. I can't live without it. And that thing had to wedge its way into your life to make room for itself and become a God in your life. Little G, little God. And you get, it fills up your heart and you don't even realize, you don't even realize it's doing it. And before long you say, I can't live without this. But just a year ago, you didn't even know it existed. 10 years ago, it had never been invented. But this thing came in so subtly and consumed your heart and filled it up your heart. And now you're not even hungry for God anymore because you got this thing filling you up. It's almost like spiritual Dexatrim. Remember that weight loss pill back from the 80s? And the show, <laughs> I remember the animation on that, the commercial, the little pill had all these, the pill is a gel cap, had all these little balls in it for you younger people. And they would show the kind of this chubby woman, side profile, you know, she's big. And the pill would go down and it would, the things would expand in her stomach and make her full. And as her stomach got full, her waist size got smaller. <laughs> Except for us, the things of the world that aren't really neither here nor there, they get into us, they fill us up, and our spirit man and our spiritual life gets skinny rather than being strong. That you can't forget the fact that this world system is designed to distract you. This world system is designed to steal your time from Jesus Christ and things that really are important. And these things are designed, and there's nothing wrong with them if you can keep them in moderation and if you can control them and not let them control you. That's the heart of fasting in, in one regard. Whatever you, is consuming you, whatever you just don't think you can live without, whatever the voice of your flesh is screaming at you about, you need to learn to silence the voice of your flesh so you can hear the voice of God better. But if all you ever do is cater to the voice of your flesh, you'll never really be able to hear the voice of God because there's many voices in the earth and they all want your attention and they all want to be heeded and they all want to be yielded to. And fasting just really squeaks that little voice shut. It says, ah, shut up. We need to make sure that we're keeping our lives moderate, temperate, balanced in all things. Some folks, it's so easy to be consumed of anything. You can be consumed of fashion. You can be consumed of your yard. You can be consumed of your vehicle. You can be consumed of computers. You can be consumed of singing. You can be consumed of your looks. You can be consumed of fitness. And fasting will help break that in every area of your life. Sometimes what you need to fast is just the way you think. Just tell your mind to be silent. Just tell your mind to be still. Just purpose, I'm going to go a whole week and not think about hockey. I'm going to go a whole week and not, some, some of you, I understand we want to live moderate lifestyles and we want to live uh, 
uh, healthy lifestyles, sometimes it's very easy for us as Americans to be consumed of what we eat in that, uh, oh my gosh, you count calories and there's nothing wrong with it, but it consumes you and you obsess over it. Oh, oh my, and, and you become, you can tell you're obsessed over it because you think you're a total failure if you ate 500 calories more than you should have. Maybe you go a whole week and you tell your mind, we're not even going to think about it. Because these little things creep in and they make us unusually quirky. They make us unbalanced. They make us obsessive. And now enters in this whole array of psychological prognosis. OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Neurotic. Sometimes what we need to fast is just how we think. And you for a week say, all right, Anytime I want to think about Star Wars, I refuse to think about Star Wars. Star Wars is the key word in my mind that gets me shutting things down. The economy. I'm going to fast thinking about the economy. And anytime finances come up in my mind for one week, I'm going to tell it to shut up. And you can even begin to starve the way you think, just so your mind can be quiet. You know, maybe, maybe it's a fear of a job. Maybe it's children. Maybe anytime you want to think about your kids, you've got to get a hold of your mind and say, I refuse to think on my kids, now, assuming they're grown. Now, if they're babies and they're under your care, care you need, every time they squawk, you need to go run to them. But I'm talking about they're grown. Or you've got custody of them. If, if you don't have custody of them, then you might need to do this. Anytime I want to think about my grown son, I'm just not going to. For one week, I will not let my mind be consumed. Novel concept. I'm not going to be let my mind be consumed of my future for one week and begin to starve your heart and your mind and your emotions of these things that would consume you and make you inordinately affectioned or uh, Greek is, says obsessed. Because really when we fast food, we're fasting because we get obsessed with it. We fast entertainment because we've gotten obsessed with it. We're fasting Coca-Colas because we got obsessed with it. I went, I want to say two or three years without drinking a Coca-Cola until July of 2002. And then they invented vanilla Coke. And I fell off the bandwagon and I have been bouncing ever since. In fact, even when we became pastor, Mr. Rick, he heard that I like vanilla Coke, so there was always a massive supply of vanilla Coke in the refrigerator here. And uh, one a day wasn't enough. Now, sometimes I needed two at lunch. And then, you know, afternoon stretch, had to have a third one. And then my jeans got snug. <laughs> and I finally had to come to Mr. Rick, and I said, Mr. Rick, I appreciate you honoring me, and I appreciate you being a good man to me as your pastor but stop. Stop. Stop buying vanilla Coke. You're making me fat. From the, and I, I said, I like to make up new rules. New rules. No vanilla Coke, except for man trip or extravaganza or some men fellowship. Because if not, I'm going to get chubby. And I don't want to be chubby because I don't like buying clothes. The ones I have fit, and I want to keep it that way. See, I got obsessed with it real quick, and you got to just cut the thing off. And there's nothing wrong with your grown children. But when you become obsessed with it, cut the thing off. Nothing wrong with vanilla Coke. But when you get obsessed of it and you're thinking on it three, four, five, six times a day, cut the thing off. Otherwise, you will become obsessed. And your mind starts circling faster and faster and faster. 
Maybe what the Spirit of God's saying this morning is whatever you obsess over in your mind, let that be the trigger that gets you to say, shut up. I don't want to say it that way. Almost let it be something offensive in your mind. And, and you pray and talk to the Lord and say, you know, Lord, I can tell that my mind is consumed of Muslim affairs in our country. feels like this whole country is going to hell because of Muslims. That's not. But you might think it is. Lord, every time I think about Muslims this week, I'm going to tell my mind to shut up, then I'm going to pray that Muslims get born again and leave it at that. Lord, every time I think about my grown son or my grown daughter, uh, my mind's been consumed of it for 15 years now. And I can tell it's sucking the life out of me for one week. Anytime I think about it, I vow and commit to you, Lord, I'm going to tell it to shut up and be quiet, and I'm just going to pray for them. And it's amazing, if you stop to think about it and judge yourself, you'll worry and worry and fret, but you won't do anything to pray about it. Because if you talk to Jesus about it, your mind could be at peace about it. But for some sick, weird reason, we like to go and visit the what-ifs in our mind. What if this? 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 Well, you spent 35 minutes playing the what-if, and how much time did you spend praying? I guarantee if you were to take five minutes, we'll just take you got a grown son or something and say, Father, I declare that my grown son's born again, that he serves God, that he lives free from sin, that you take care of him. You surround him with good godly friends. You get him into a good church. You get him serving in that church. Lord, I pray that he's hungry for you. You do that for five minutes. You'll come out of there and go, yeah, I got no worries now until 30 minutes rolls by. What about? Oh, shut up. Father, I declare it again. And you can possess the land in your mind rather than being cuckoo. Because <laughs> let me help you parents with grown children. Your children are not your responsibility. Your job is done and you should say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let all earth hear my voice. No more money? Do you hear me? No more money? No more money. Your job is done. You should be letting go. The old Southern expression is uh, the, the adult child is still hanging on to mama's apron strings. There's even a little bit more vulgar one about still breastfeeding. Be pretty goofy to have an adult still breastfeeding. That's pretty goofed up. We get uncomfortable in Africa when the three-year-olds are still breastfeeding at the dinner table with no cloth covering them up. Think about a, a, a grown child, a man-child. <laughs> a man-child still breastfeeding on mama. Weird. But your heart wants that by the way it frets and stresses. And you cannot. You have got to fast that in your mind. If your child is grown, that means in the U.S. of A, they're 18 and they're not living at home. They are not your fault. They're not your problem. They're not your responsibility. You should declare free at last, free at last. Oh, God Almighty, I am free at last. And stop fretting yourself to death over your child's mistakes or will it be okay? Will it be okay? Will it be okay? Yeah, shut up. Leave them alone and fast that stuff in your mind. Know your Bible. Romans 14 says, unto God, he's able to make the servant stand. In fact, let's look at that real quick. I guess that's what we're going to hit on this morning, since you guys don't seem to have questions. I guess we'll just pastor a little bit rather than teach. <laughs> Romans 14. 
Romans 14, 4, who are you that judges another man's servant? Now, you may be judging another man's servant, that being your son, your grown son or your grown daughter, saying, oh, my gosh, you're trying to judge them. Are they okay? Are they okay? Are they okay? I should probably call and check on them. I should probably text them. I should probably send them 50 bucks. Don't. You'll be in sin. Let them grow up. They want to be adults. Let them grow up. Stop judging another man's servant. To his own master he stands or falls, yea, he shall be held up, for God is able to make him stand. We're talking about fasting thoughts. And some of us are consumed of our children's well-being when they're grown. This is a good verse for you. Anytime your mind wants to fret and worry over your grown child, Nope, nope, mind, you be quiet. We're going to fast this thought. We're going to fast this, this care. We're going to cast it on the Lord. And I'm going to be reminded, nope, Lord, you shall hold him up for you are able to make him stand. He, in fact, Father, your word says he shall. My son shall be held up. My daughter shall be held up. For God is able to make him stand. And that way you don't have to be consumed of it and get obsessed with it, just like some people get obsessed over food, or some people get obsessed over buying a new car, or some people get obsessed over entertainment, or for me, the news on my Blackberry. I don't don't obsess and fret over grown children because I have none yet. But I was getting obsessed over current events, and I just had to shut the whole thing off. And you know what? Nothing has happened since I stopped watching the news. Except I have changed and I'm much more free and I don't even fret over things I don't need to fret over anymore. And I tell you, when you don't have to fret over things you don't need to fret over, fret-free life's pretty nice. And some of you as adults fret over grown children and it's not your fault, it's not your responsibility. As the world says, there's no use crying over spilt milk, get over it. And if you're going to do something, keep your money to yourself, quit throwing God's money after lazy people, and pray for them because you're going to slip him a 20 and he's not responsible enough to handle a 20. You might as well just pray for him. That's what he needs more than a 20. That's what she needs more than your worries. Even Revelation says the fearful shall have their place in the lake of fire. Fearful, then liar. They always want to say liars go to hell, quoting that verse, but it starts off with the fearful. And we get obsessed and consumed. I don't think we've ever thought about fasting fear. We love to gobble it up, though. And Americans are so stupid. Our horror movies are the best-selling ones there are because we just love to have the hell scared out of us. And then wonder why we can't sleep at night and why we're paranoid and schizophrenic and on lithium and Prozac and Valium and uppers and downers. And How about we fast fear? Fast those fretful nights obsessing. What about, what about, what about? Well, come talk to me about what about if you've spent three hours in prayer this week for them. But if you haven't, that's a good place to start. And I have found in my own personal life, when I pray over frets and worries and concerns, they kind of go away. And it was only the emotion of fear that magnified what I was afraid of. It's always like, in those cartoons where the big shadow comes out and looks like this horrible monster and all it is is a flashlight that got knocked over in front of an ant. And the whole town runs away in terror. Oh, it's a monster! And the little ant's going, (laughs) 
and our emotions magnify this thing that doesn't even exist. And what happens is it gets us off course. It keeps us from serving Jesus Christ, just like natural appetites do, just like bodily appetites keep us from serving Jesus Christ. So we need to fast these frets, these cares, these worries. Look over, let me find this other verse. We've covered it before. Say either in Thessalonians or Timothy. Well, it's the verse that talks about inordinate affection. This is that obsession. And inordinate affection talks about lust, it talks about desires, it talks about cravings. And inordinate means it's more than it should be. And so, since we seem to be talking about fretting over your children, you can worry over your children more than you should. And all you can do is all you can do. And the best thing you can do for anybody is pray for them. Not even money will fix their problems. If you have a child that's backslid, you can give them money, but they're just going to backslide with it, so you just finance sin. And you complain about not having money to give in offerings or pay your electric bill. You can give money to a sinful child, but you're just financing a spiritual terrorist. You're just financing a criminal. So money's not the solution. Prayer is the solution. Getting them back right in fellowship with God, that's the solution. Now, I know as a parent, you want to financially support them, but if you know they're going to go sin with it, there's no point in it. There's no point in throwing God's money after sin. That's God's money. We took a stand in this ministry not to throw good money after sin. You should do the same. And if, they, if, they, if they're not in sin and they're serving God, uh, but they're doing it you know, a way you don't like, leave them alone. It's none of your business. Let them stand on their own and get yourself free from this thing. The job of the pastor, the job of the minister is to get the body of Christ free from the things the body of Christ illegally partakes of. And we have to come along and say, well, where'd you get that? Over here. Does the Bible say you can handle that? I don't know. Does it? No, it doesn't. So put it. Oh, I didn't know. I can't touch that. No, no, you can't touch that. See, even Hebrews 12 says, lay aside the sins and the weights. Sometimes your fretting and worrying is just a tremendous weight. And it says, run with patience the race set before you. If you're hung up circling the mountain of a child that you're fretting over, you can't run. Brother Robert has his hand up. You, you've got to let this stuff go and stop fretting over your children. If you're an adult and you serve God, I know you want your kids to serve God. But you've got to be like the prodigal, or excuse me, his father, who just stood and waited your job is not to chase, and in your heart, all fretting is, is you chasing. A fretful heart is a heart that just chases and chases and chases and wants to clean up every mess. Nope, the prodigal, which represents the father, just sat at home and said he'll do what he wants to do, and when he's tired of living like the devil and smelling like feces, he'll come home. And that's what he did. And you know how much money he gave him after he gave him that initial allotment? None. Sink or swim, boy. And when you start choking and go glub glub, then you'll come home. Brother Robert. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But if we don't wrestle against that flesh and blood to where we own the flesh and blood, we never get into the true battle of fighting the principalities. Is that true? Well, yes, sir. In the context there is that my fight's not against you. You know, obviously when we talk about fasting, we have to wrestle with our own flesh. You know, what, 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 what that passage is talking about is 
If we live in a dirty community, we can't go around shooting all everybody. We need to start evangelizing them and praying for good godly leaders, godly police officers, godly judges, and clean this thing from the top down. You know, if we just keep shooting all the criminals and shooting the meth heads and shooting the crack addicts and shooting the dirty politicians, all we're doing is shooting bad fruit off a dirty tree. No, what that's saying is blow the tree up, get to the root of the cause, which is spiritual, and then move forward. But, you know, this is not talking about fasting necessarily because the context there is spiritual principalities and might and dominion. But we still still could take it out of context and say you, we need to could. wrestle oh, this yeah, flesh yeah. and you, blood you, so we can get into the true battle of fighting sure. the demons and everything that's coming against Sure, us. because if you're not clean, if your appetites are under control, you're not going to be able to cast out devils. Jesus Christ said that, that this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And even Dr. Barclay, he tells a story. He was overseas one time ministering, and people came down for, uh, for prayer, and he had some of the American ministers with him uh, that were submitted to him, and he said, you, you men come down here, lay hands on these folks. And one of his men lays hands on this, uh, this woman, I think it was. And I think they were in Brazil. She didn't speak English. And with a loud voice, she cries out and says, I'm not coming out until this preacher repents of adultery. Or I don't have to come out till this preacher repents of adultery. And Dr. Barclay whips around and looks at his man and says, is this true? You know, what do you say? You got your hand caught in the cookie jar. The, the demon's telling off on your perversion. And he looks over and says, yes, sir, go sit down. Somebody else cast the devil out of that woman. So you're absolutely right. If you're not clean, Brother Roy has his hand up here. If you're not clean, you're not going to be able to stand in that evil day. Yes, sir. Um, we were talking about thoughts, and it seems like everything comes back to the mind. Um, any, kind of, uh, any kind of obsession, it could be... Uh, wanting a cookie or, or worrying about your, uh, your, your daughter or your son. Um, just clean up my thinking a little bit. It seems like what you're saying is fasting is a way of uh, um, hypothetically or, or figuratively, if your finger hurts, it punches you in the face. Does your finger still hurt? No, I'm not even thinking about my finger anymore. So it, it has a way of uh, um, you're not thinking about your problem anymore. Therefore, your thought pattern changes. Therefore, your... your uh, your, um, your behavior changes with it. So if you have a, uh, just problems with thoughts, um, does fasting food uh, change, your, uh, change your thought pattern? It might slow down your thought pattern a little bit, just you know, your natural habit of thinking, but once you start eating again, your thoughts will fire, fire back up. When you're hungry, all you think about is jelly donut, jelly donut, jelly donut, Star Wars, jelly donut jelly donut. Yes, sir. Once you get the jelly donut, Star Wars is active again. Yes, sir. What you've got to do to clean up your mind is speak to it and train it and speak to it and train it. Just fast, because see, you can't indefinitely fast. You can't fast forever. You, you go through seasons of fasting, and to some degree you live a fasted life where you, you live free from uh, eating all you want all the time, you know, and you live a life of exercise and discipline. I would agree with you in that fasting will slow your thinking down for a season just because you're lethargic and you can and just in the natural starve yourself to where you don't think at all because yes. you're just kooky you know because you're, you're depleted but once you get back to normal unfortunately eating wise your thought pattern wherever you were before returns back to normal yes. so you've not made any advancements can i say also i found that uh trying to fast food to cure a thinking problem actually makes it 
worse because yeah. you're, you're 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 being tired and hungry. Your thoughts become more paranoid. Yeah, and, more. And, and, and we know that from the natural. When you're tired and exhausted and hungry, you're crabby, you're grouchy. You're not on your A game. Yes, sir. That, but see, that's why we said with one of our lessons, fasting is not business as usual. You got to be spending more time in prayer. Yes. Sir. You don't just flippantly fast or do it just to look spiritual. You fast because there's something you're wanting to accomplish. And, and maybe if you, let's say you, you're neurotic or you're paranoid and you're fasting to get an answer from God, how to fix that. What is the source of this? Lord, I got to get victory over this neurosis or this paranoia, or this crazy thinking or this insecurity or this lazy attitude. You seek God and he gives you a verse. You come out of the fast, your answer is still that verse and you got to stick with it. Yes, sir. Just, so because, just because he gave you the answer doesn't mean you're doing anything with it. So by taking that verse and replacing it or replacing the paranoid thoughts with that verse, you, 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 uh, you fix the problem? Uh, well, it's not so much, you know, re replacing. It's not so much like an insertion. Again, what the Bible teaches us is to cast down thoughts, cast down imaginations. It's a training. I think that's what we understand the best as Americans is it, you have to train your mind. The, way, the reason we're goofed up in our mind is we trained ourselves to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we fret over our children, it's a, it's, a, it's a path we beat to that watering hole. What about my girl? What about my girl? What about my boy? And, and we just keep frequenting it. What you've got to do is begin to catch yourself cast down those thoughts, cast down those imaginations. And if you've been beating a path to the watering hole of fret and fear over your son and daughter for five years, you're not going to fix this thing with one day of fasting or three days of fasting. You're going to have to train it and train it. And every time it rises up, cast it down. And every time it rises up, yes. cast it down. You train it. So can I ask you, this is uh, something that I do. It's not, not so much fasting food for the thoughts, but actually fasting the thoughts. If a thought comes or something triggers something that leads to a series of thoughts, yeah. I just automatically, automatically say, okay, I'm not, nah, I'm not going to think that. Yeah, so, you shut it down, which is what I started off by saying. So, right. no, that, that, that's what we're trying to talk about, or that's what we are talking about this morning, is fasting these thoughts. And the way you fast it is you say, nope. Just like if you're fasting coffee, nope. Ah, flesh, shut up. We're not fasting. We're not drinking coffee right now. We're fasting it. Nope, mine, I'm, I'm fasting this fretful fear of my, my children's outcome, my, my son, my daughter. I'm, fret, I'm, I'm fasting that fret. And that's called casting it down. That's called bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's called renewing your mind. And that's what we have to do. It's a process. And the thing is, it, 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 it's going to look like you talking to yourself constantly. And so you're going to look goofy, but you've got to do it because you can't think a thought away. You've got to speak to it. Where we deceive ourselves, and maybe we'll talk about this this morning in regular service, is we think because we once studied the Bible and because we currently have all the answers, or we think we do, we think we're okay. But knowledge does not, she has her hand up here, knowledge does not solve any problems. Your application of the knowledge is what fixes the problem. I know how to rock climb. I used to do it, but I'm in no shape at all to rock climb. I'd have to use all my knowledge and get back after it and get back after it. I, mean, I, I still know how to rig everything, but my hands, my arms, my toes, my, my fingertips don't have the endurance. They, they don't have it anymore. And we think just because we have the knowledge or the skill that we're automatically okay with God and we're not. Your knowledge without you doing anything to it does nothing for you. So you can sit there and know, you know what, I shouldn't be fretting, I shouldn't be fretting. Oh, but, oh, but, oh, I, you'll go crazy and you'll be consumed and you'll be weighted down and not able to run the races set before you. So yes, fast the thoughts, speak to it, cast it down 
and that'll get you the victory. And you'll end up training yourself how to, in a sense, think differently. I think differently now than I did 10 years ago. That's not psychology. That's not new age guru junk. That's the Bible. We ought to be changing the way we think because we've been given the mind of Christ. So, Ms. Holly. Um, when fasting, do you fast for one thing at a time or can you do multiple? I mean, is it for the, do you have to declare one thing and then is it possible for God to work on other things that you didn't declare that I'm fasting for? Because it says, you know, that we fast to break, uh, to loose bands of wickedness and um, to undo yokes of bondage. It doesn't say, you know, one yoke of bondage. It's or, plural. Yeah, so. Yeah, you, you know, I, or do you have to declare? No, that? you know, typically when I have fasted and what you see in the Bible, we'll use the Bible as a better example. Typically you see those people fasting for one answer. Jehoshaphat needed victory. David needed, uh, we wanted his boy brought back to, he wanted his boy's life to be uh, preserved. Uh, So-and-so needed an answer. Ezra, he needed God's guidance. Biblically, most of the time what you see is there's a pressing need at hand. There's something that keeps coming to the surface that is the foremost issue, and that's what they'll seek God first. It doesn't mean there isn't 20 behind it, but there's always that one thing fast, uh, pr- uh, pressing you that you'll fast for. But that doesn't mean that in the midst of fasting for God's de- uh, guidance and direction or for victory or for healing, that God doesn't deal with you on seven other things while you're fasting. So, uh, you, you know, I would say based on what I see in the Word, from all these examples over and over and over and over again, these men and women sought God for one issue at hand. With Esther, I need favor from the king because if I don't get it, he'll cut my head off. Um, you know, Jesus, he was, he was preparing for ministry. Moses was getting the Ten Commandments. Elijah was just running from God. These are, these are just issues one at a time that they fasted for. So even though it says yokes and bonds, I would say my, my, uh, my translation or my interpretation that would mean is there's multiple of those in our life and when you get the victory over one, come back, seek God, get the victory over another one. But also at the same time, it doesn't mean while you're in there, say, Lord, I need healing, Lord, I need healing and he tells you in prayer the reason you're not getting your healing is because you have unforgiveness in your heart. You just got two things there. You got healing and victory over unforgiveness. And so uh, typically when I fast, it's for one issue at a time. I can't think of any time in my life where I fasted because there was nine things I needed dealt with yesterday and I'm just going to go hungry and seek God to get it. There's usually one thing, Lord, I need this, Lord. I'm tied up with this, Lord. I need the victory over this. Does that answer your question? Uh, Miss Angie here, running out of time. Just a quick comment. The bonus and the benefit to all this too is that it just brings you a step closer to God. Absolutely. Because when your mind is set on this thing and every time your mind goes to that thing, then God is immediately there. Yeah. And you talk to him about that thing, whatever you choose. Yeah. Then you immediately, it's a step closer. And it's, it's hard to, you know, explain exactly but it just brings that closeness in to a relationship. And that's many a testimony when folks fast for the first time. They'll say, I just felt so much closer to God. And it isn't that you starved yourself to bring you closer to God. It's the fact that you took that time to seek Him more and it brought you closer to God. And, And so you felt closer to Him because you were talking to Him more. And it actually motivates you to have a closer walk with Him because you don't just have to fast to pray more. You can pray more and eat all you want. Miss Joanne, but yes, ma'am, that's an excellent point. Real quick, Miss Joanne, because we're about to hear that okay, second bell. It's just a comic okay. quick with the 
um, I know I was consumed with thinking a certain thing and I didn't want to think and and so basically I just like sought the Lord I was like God I need help with this you know I tried telling it be quiet it yeah. still would bug me and stuff and and it's like Angie said I just kind of communed with the Lord even was just singing songs yeah. through my spirit while I was working you know just kind of softly and yeah. didn't interrupt anybody but it really broke it and I think you know it's like David says, you know, why my heart, why are you disquieted within me? You know, hope in God is yeah. like remembering scriptures and, and quoting, you know, whether if you're concerned about a loved one, you just remind yourself God is still God and he's powerful with his word. Amen. Amen. And once you get free from stuff, you never want to go back to it. You never, once you get that weight off you, you don't realize how heavy it really was. We went backpacking last weekend and um, I had to carry somebody's stuff just because they, they weren't strong enough to carry it. And uh, as it is, anytime you go backpacking, when you get done and you take your pack off, it feels like you're walking on the moon because you can just like, you feel like a little girl leaping through a field and you think, wow, I feel a hundred pounds lighter because you are. And, but you'd gotten so used to the burden for five miles you, you didn't realize what it was like to be normal again. And anytime you get that junk off you, it makes you want to run back to God and say, what else is on me? Because I like feeling light. Show me what it is, Lord, and I'll fast to get free from it. So hopefully you've learned something from this fasting curriculum over the last five weeks. Don't be afraid to fast. Love you guys. We'll get ready for service here.